In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. Today is pre-Lent Sunday. So it's the Sunday which precedes Lent, and it's the first um, Sunday that has readings for it in the, in the Lent um, schedule of readings. So we've left the schedule of readings, uh, church readings that are the annual schedule, you know, like every, the first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday, and so on, of each month. Um, and now we're reading the readings that are particular to Lent. And the church has done this for a very special reason. You're going to be like, Abuna, Lent is 55 days. You know, that's long enough. We don't need a 56th day. I agree with you. But, I agree and I disagree, but anyways, it doesn't matter. But, um, it's given us this day to prepare ourselves. It's given us this day to um, kind of put the focus um, on what is going to be important to us in these coming several weeks. And if you, if you um, had an opportunity to hear what Jesus was saying in the gospel, um, he, he, he was speaking in Matthew chapter 6 about three different things. Um, and he spoke about charitable deeds and about prayer and about fasting. And you'll notice that Jesus says something. He says something which absolutely terrifies me. He says something. He says he compares the fasting and the prayer and the charitable deeds of how they ought to be. And he gives a little bit of teaching about that, about how it ought to be. He compares that to what the Pharisees are doing. And he calls them hypocrites. Just for one second, let's just take a minute to just understand what that word hypocrite means. The word hypocrite in our day and age now may be seen as a little bit of a, like a derogatory term or, 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 a, or slander or a negative thing to say about somebody. In Jesus' time, in Jesus' time, Hypocrites were not necessarily only like uh, people who say one thing and do another or, or whatnot, um, but they were, they were actually like, they had a role in society. They were actors. Um, they were actors in, in plays. Usually they were Greek plays, but you know, this kind of concept had spread through the known world, the nobility in the known world, where you'd have a play that has, I don't know, eight parts or 10 parts or 12 parts, and you'd have three or four actors. So what would they do? They'd have masks. So when I wear the mask with the green feathers, I'm, you know, whatever, this character. And when I wear a mask with the, you know, the red hat, then I'm another character. And so the characters would come up onto the stage wearing a mask, and they would play the role of that, of the character associated with that mask. You know, like, it was, they didn't have, like, all the high-fidelity, you know, costumes and makeup and whatever that we have now, right? Um, and they'd usually be a traveling band of people who are acting. So this was their, their way of denoting different characters. So Jesus is telling us, when he's telling us, don't be a hypocrite like the Pharisees, he's not slandering them. He's saying that this is what they're doing. They're playing a role. So when they come and they, they come to fast... What would they do? He says they disfigure their faces. What, what's he talking about? They would take ashes and dirt and they would mix them with water and make like, a, like, a, like mud and they would put it on their faces so their faces would look darker. So their faces wouldn't look bright and happy, right? And then so people would know, oh, he is fasting, you know? So they were, they were wearing a costume. They were playing a role. Jesus is telling you and he's telling me, God is not 
doesn't need for you to wear a costume. Several times in the service, I've invited people to come to church. You're going to be really sad to hear the, the response. They tell me, Father John, I can't come to your church. And I say, why? These people have never been here before. I say, why? Why can't you come to church? And they say, Father John, I don't have, I don't have any, the, the right clothes to wear to come to church. People come to church and they're all dressed up and they're wearing nice dresses and suits and I don't have any of that clothes, so I can't come to church. And I'll reassure them that you all come wearing whatever you want, jeans and a t-shirt if you want, uh, you know, a, a three-piece suit if that makes you feel good. You wear whatever you like, right? But there's th those people are telling me, I can't come to church because I don't have the right costume. Jesus is telling you and he's telling me today, let this period of Lent that's coming up not be another costume. So now I'm going to wear the Lent costume. Maybe the Pharisees and the, uh, at, 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 in Jesus' time would do this mixture of ashes and dirt and whatever and put it, you know, and di disfigure their faces like Jesus says. Maybe we do something different. Maybe we behave in a different way or we talk in a different way or we whatever. Jesus is saying, cut. This is recorded, so cut, cut, the, cut the stuff, you know? Cut it out, right? I don't need it. I don't need your, I don't need your stuff, you know? I don't need your costume. I don't, need, I don't need that. I'm looking at you as a person. I'm looking at you as my beloved child. And how much do you love me? And how, what are you willing to do to be in communion with me? What are you willing to do to be in communion with me? Are you willing to, to carve out an extra 15 minutes a couple of times a day to pray? Are you willing to, to cut out some food or some drink to abstain for a period of time so that you can make it it's easier for you to, to, to reach heaven? Next week we're going to talk about, today's the first half of Matthew 6, next week is the second half of Matthew 6. Jesus says, lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. What does that mean? That means that I can take from my pocket and I can put in heaven. That means that heaven is within arm's reach, literally. We'll talk, leave that for next week. What are you willing to do to grasp that which is within arm's reach? Jesus is asking you, and he's asking me today. He's saying, forget the costumes. You know what the worst part of it is? This is the scariest part. This is the part that freaks me out, right? This is, I'm not scared of ghosts of goblins. I'm not scared of demons. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of what Jesus says. He says, for they already have their reward. I was reading uh, on the priesthood by St. John Chrysostom, and he says that there are several different passions that we are all kind of subject to, but there is one passion that the clergy are subject to and will never get rid of the, entire, the entirety of their, of their priesthood, and that is the demon of vainglory. 
That's the demon of vainglory. Vainglory is what it is. It's a combined word, vain and glory. Glory, which is vain. Glory, which is empty. What's vain means? It's, it's something which you do or pursue that leads nowhere. That's, that, that's, that's meaningless or empty. Like smoke, you know? Like when, when uh, um, the, the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes says vanity of vanities, the word, the word he's actually using, the literal meaning of the word he's actually using is not, um, is not vanity. It's the literal meat translation of the word would actually be smoke or vapor, right? Vain, vain glory. That's when you do something because you want glory from people. Because glory from people is vain. <laughs> One of the modern day fathers, like not an ancient father, says, today they will hail you, tomorrow they will nail you. Today they will hail you, tomorrow they will nail you. Right? He's, he's uh, you know, said, you know, very eloquently, what, what St. Macarius says, today they will praise you, Tomorrow they will, they will curse you, right? And he tells a, a young monk to go to the tombs. Uh, he, my young monk came to him complaining that the other brethren were spreading rumors about him and being not nice to him and so on. He told him, go to the tombs and curse, curse the dead. He goes, I can't curse the dead. He goes to him, be obedient. Go to the tombs and curse the dead. He goes to the tombs, he curses the dead. Then comes back to St. Macarius. He says, Father, what... What was the point of that? He said, what did they tell you? What did the dead tell you? He said, nothing. He said, okay, now I want you to go to the same tombs and praise the dead. So he went to the tombs and he praised them. And then they came back. And he came back. He said, Father, what was the point of that? He said, what did they tell you? He said, nothing. He said, go and do likewise. Be dead, be dead to the praise or the criticism of people. Jesus is telling us, as we are starting to think about, I pray that we're all thinking about, that the fast is upon us. The fast starts tomorrow. And this is the springboard of spiritual life of the year. And we're all thinking, gee, what am I going to do? How am I going to live these next several weeks? How am I going to live these next several weeks to get the most out of them, to come as close to the kingdom of God as I can, to, be, to, to, to have an experience of the divine while I'm still here in the flesh. What am I going to do? And we're thinking about how I'm going to fast, how I'm going to pray, how, what, what I'm going to carve, what little chunks of time and life I can redeem for the kingdom. And as we're thinking that, let us be sure, let us be sure that we don't want our activity to be visible or to be for the praise of men. If we don't go to an effort to hide, to hide it, that's okay, right? But at least let us not be doing it explicitly for the goal of being praised by others. And that's, that's I think, the most terrifying thing Jesus says. I can only imagine... I can only imagine, you know the story of the, the, the tax collector and the Pharisee. They go into the temple to pray, right? And the, the Pharisee walks in and says, Lord, thank you because I fast and I pray and I tithe and I this and I that. And I'm not like that heathen tax collector standing in the back there. And the tax collector can't even lift his eyes to heaven. But he pours his head down and said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, the Pharisee, 
and the tax collector left the temple that day and the tax collector left justified. The tax collector left justified and the Pharisee didn't. You know what I'm most scared of is that I'm kind of like that Pharisee. Now imagine, let's fast forward to that Pharisee walking into the kingdom. And he walks into the kingdom of heaven, right? And somehow, by the mercy of God, he ends up in the kingdom, right? And God allows him into the kingdom. He walks into the kingdom and he's thinking to himself, you know, where's my palace? Where's my Rolls Royce? I gave up this for God. I gave up this for God. I gave up this for God. And he's looking around and he's got like a little stool, you know, like, you know, in third world countries, there's like a doorman and he has a little stool that he's, you know, they tell him here, this is your spot right here, you know? And he's like, but, but where's my, but, but, but where's this? But and he said, no, you received your reward. You received your reward. You can't, you can't cash it in twice. You got your reward. So, so here's your spot now. I'm scared. I'm really scared. I'm not scared of demons, and I'm not scared of ghosts and goblins, and I'm not scared of, of all that stuff, but I'm, not, I'm scared. I'm scared that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the, the stool. You know, Even then, I'll say, thank you, Lord. I'm not worthy. But, but it, won't be, it won't be because of my sins that I got the stool. right? It'll be, it'll be because of my vain glory. Lord, have mercy on us. So let's see the positive things Jesus says to us. First, he starts with charitable deeds, right? If you want to remember them, St. Augustine gives us a beautiful way to remember them. He says, let your prayers rise to heaven on two wings, fasting and charity. Let your prayers rise to heaven on two wings, like a bird with two wings, fasting and charity, right? So what does Jesus tell us about charity? He says, notice Jesus, when he talks about all these, thing, these things, he says, when you do charitable deeds, when you fast, when you pray. So Jesus takes it as he assumes that his disciples are going to do charitable, charitable deeds. He's not telling them, if you so happen to have, you know, enough extra that you're able to, to go out of your way and help somebody. It would be so nice of you if you could. That's not Jesus. That's us. We're Canadian. Jesus wasn't Canadian, right? Jesus just says, when you fast, when you pray, when you do charitable deeds. It's, it's in, in his ethos, if you're following me, that's what we do, right? So now that we know that in, in Jesus' mind, these aren't, these aren't optional to being a disciple, and I know none of these things are optional in your mind, but I was just making that very clear, right? Jesus says, let your charitable de deeds be done in secret. He says, let your left hand not know what your right hand is doing. What is Jesus talking about? My left and my right hands, thank God, up until now, don't have a mind of their own. For the most part, I'm able to control what they do. So how will my left hand not know what my right hand is doing? What's Jesus saying? He's saying... Don't necessarily keep an account, your own account, of your good deeds. Like, the easiest example to use is money, and that's why 
over 25% of Jesus' teachings have to do with money. Just, and it's not because Jesus is obsessed with money or the church is obsessed with money or cares even about money, but it's just something tangible and it's easy, to, easy right? Around this time of the year, right, you all are logging on, on online and getting your tax receipts so you can s- submit them to the government and get, get them in your tax returns, right? So what Jesus is telling you in regards to your monetary donations to a charity such as the church or any other, right, is don't necessarily keep score, right? Don't necessarily have your own account. Why? Because it doesn't matter. What I'm giving, I'm giving freely. I don't need to keep an account to myself of I donated this much this year. The church will, will keep an account. Do we get it right every time? Actually, I'll be very honest with you. No, we don't. Sometimes we make mistakes. And we tell you to review it with your accounts, right? And that's what we say because we know most people do, keep, do you know, have some you know, system of how they donate and they keep track, right? But Jesus is telling you, don't keep track. Don't keep track. Or if you keep track, if you keep track, keep all the little receipts in a shoebox or something. You know what I mean? But don't be sitting there, you know, wow, I, I gave this much. Oh, wow, I gave this much. Oh, wow, I gave this much. You know, that's, that's, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't keep, how many people were you kind to this week? I'm sure all of you are kind people. I know 90% of you personally, and I know I have seen kindness from you to me personally. You're not keeping score. How many people was I kind to? Right? Nobody does that. What would you call that? Arrogant, self-centered, full of yourself, whatever, right? Okay, so take that same concept and apply it to all other charitable deeds. We don't keep score. We do it because we want to do it. Why are you you all nice people nice to me? Because you're nice people. It's because of who you are. If I was a jerk, you'd still be nice to me. Because you're gracious people. Because you're aiming, you're trying to be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. As He is gracious, you also are very gracious, God-loving people. Right? So you're not keeping track. Jesus is telling you, don't keep track. That's what He says, what He means, when don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right? Don't, Don't keep track. Enough about that. Prayer. He says, and when you pray... He teaches us the Our Father prayer. And the only thing that he, that Jesus mentions and explicitly talks about is forgiveness. And we could talk about forgiveness at length, but we will later on in the fast. So we'll leave it alone for now, right? But he says, he gives some other very simple advice. He says, go in your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Look, um, uh, I don't know how you feel about uh, uh, public displays of affection. Some people are more tolerant of them, some people less so. Um, My wife and I are generally, you know, by most people's standards, very affectionate. Like, maybe above average, you know? And... um, like being in public doesn't really doesn't really bother us. We try not to bother other people, but right, that's just kind of that's just kind of how it is. But you're you're certain if you see me holding my wife's hand or kissing her or this or that, you're certain that there's a whole lot more of that that's happening somewhere else, right? So some of there's a lot more of that affection that's happening somewhere else. That intimacy 
in a relationship, God is telling you, make sure that you're getting some of that somewhere else. If, if in a marriage relationship, okay, if in a marriage relationship, the only affection that happens between, you know, two partners is what, is what happens in public, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. So God is, Jesus here is not telling you, don't pray in public. That would mean come to church and just play around on your phone, answer text messages and emails, play Candy Crush, do whatever. But make sure that nobody could ever be deceived into thinking that you're praying at church in public. That's not what Jesus is saying, right? I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to extremes to make it clear. Jesus is not saying don't pray in public. He's saying make sure you have an intimate and secret life with God. You come to church and you pray. Fantastic. Excellent. God wants us to pray as one body, as one family. He wants us to gather together and to pray and to love each other with all our quirks and quirks and all of our oddities and all of our this person's this and that person's that and this person's late and this person's early and this person's loud and that person, right? And community forces us, stretches us to love each other as we are. And you are loved, I promise you, as you are, not just by me, but by every single person in this community. That's great. That's community. But if, you're, if my only relationship with God is what happens here, then there's a problem. Then do I really have, do I really have this, an intimate relationship with my, the, the lover of my soul or not? Jesus is telling us, make sure that you have some secret, some secret, intimate life with him. And as pertains to fasting, Jesus says the same thing. Anoint your face, you know, wash your face, anoint your head, you know, and don't, don't let people know that you're fasting, right? It's not, again, again here, it's not about hiding it. You're at work, you're used to going out for lunch with your colleagues or whatever, and this and that, and then you, you, your colleagues say, hey, are, are you ready to go? We're going to go, go have lunch. And you say, oh, not today. And they say, oh, well, what do you mean? You're just going to sit here? You say, no, no, I've got some other stuff to do. There's other stuff to do. There's nothing to do. Nobody's in the office. What are you doing? You say, oh, I'm fasting, right? That's fine. That's okay. What Jesus is saying is don't, don't put a billboard over your head that says you're fasting. What am I talking about? In some other cultures that also have a culture of fasting, fasting is not something which is unique to the Coptic Orthodox Church or to Orthodox or to Christianity. It's present in every mainline religion because fasting is a way of interacting with our, with our humanity to help our humanity to divest ourselves of the physical world that we may grasp the spiritual world. And we've talked about that at length in the last few weeks, so I won't belabor it, right? So you'll find it in every mainline religion, because guess what? All the people in other religions are human too, right? So they've realized that fasting is helpful in, our spir in spiritual life, right? Anyhow, so how, how is fasting different in Christianity is that it's a love offering to Christ himself. So what, what they'll do, for example, in another culture, right, is as people are walking, crossing each other in the street, or as people are greeting each other, during the fast, they'll stick their tongue out to each other. Why? So that the other person can see that my tongue is dry and crusty and has all the little white flaky things on it, right? Right? To say that, look, I'm fasting. You know? Look, I'm fasting. Jesus is saying, don't do that. 
If your friends, if your colleagues at work ask you why you're not going for lunch, why you didn't go for grab a morning coffee with them, why this, why that, tell them, uh, you tell them I'm fasting. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean, right? It's not, Jesus isn't saying like like lie, you know, and 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 be deceptive, you know, make up some story of you know what I mean. I, I have a temporary allergy to caffeine. You know what I mean, like right, whatever, right? I'm temporarily lactose intolerant. I don't know, right? You know, and then like yeah, the holy fifty comes and oh, guess what? My allergy went away, right? You know, like Jesus isn't saying that, right? But Jesus isn't saying put a billboard. Don't put a billboard on your head either and says I'm fasting, you know, right? Like Jesus is saying. Why are you doing this? For whom are you doing this? Are you just putting on a mask? Or is this, is this related to some intimate, secret relationship that you have with God? Jesus talked to, talked to us about charity and about fasting as the ways to divest ourselves, to, to lighten our load, to, to travel light so our prayers can rise to heaven during Lent. And I promise you, God will give you and me an experience of heaven, an experience of what this world calls supernatural, right? What this world would call out of this world, what this world hasn't tasted and hasn't seen, that the saints are real, the angels are real. I just spent four days in Egypt. I wanted to end the sermon three sentences ago, but I can't help and tell, but tell you. I went, I was just, I was just in Egypt for four days, just four days. God gave me to meet over five or six people who are saints, not saints. You're all saints. You're all lovely people and you're all saints. These people see St. Mary every day. One of them, I'm, I'm pursuing him to get us relics of St. Moses. He said, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll get you the relics of St. Moses. But why, why, why do you, why are you in such a rush? And I'm like, you know, like we, we want to have where his church and so we want his relics. And he goes to me, just ask him and he'll come to you. I'm like, what do you mean, ask him and he'll come to you? He said, call him when you're standing and praying. Say, call St. Moses and he'll answer you. I said, what? Call him St. Moses and he'll answer you. And his spiritual father sees St. Mary almost every day in his room in prayer. This is real. This isn't fake. These people aren't fake. They're real. And they're not... They don't glow in the dark or they're not made of, of different genetics than you and me. You and I have the same access to that. We just need to divest ourselves a little bit from the nonsense of this world and grasp onto the true reality of heaven. Maybe that be your experience and mine this holy fast. Glory be to God forever and ever, men. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray.